Chicken Shop Date is one of our favorite new shows on YouTube, and the host, Amelia DeMoldenberg, has landed some of the biggest names in music, including Drake. Drake DM'd her asking to be on the show. Oh my god, Drake's just DM'd me. That's when you know you made it. Each show averages around 2.2 million views, and the show has taken its creator on a wild eight-year journey that is just getting started. So today we're going to break down why Chicken Shop Date is so successful, as well as talk about Amelia's eight-year journey and how she ended up catching the attention of Drake. One of the first reasons why this show is so successful, I think, is because it just opens straight up into conversation. Mm -hmm. It just gets going. I'm a really big fan. Yeah. Thank you. Of chicken nuggets. Here's the thing about YouTube. The title and the thumbnail essentially give you the context to what you're clicking on. So once you click on it, you don't really need additional context, which I've been thinking about a lot for our show because we have a talk show. But for hers, what I thought was so powerful was you click on the episode, you're just in the conversation. She's not like, today we're here with Jack Harlow and we're going to talk about this. You're just in it. Right away, you can understand the tone. What's poppin'? Hmm. Good start. Chicken fingers. That's great. Some hot sauce. And let's carry on. Oh, a little messy. So like a lot of the best interview shows on YouTube, like Hot Ones, I would consider one of the best shows on YouTube, there are multiple narratives that you're sort of tracking and that are driving retention. Mm -hmm. So for Chicken Shop Date, you have the basis here that this is an interview show. The next layer is that it's going to be musicians. The next layer is that the framework here for this interview is a date. That's actually one of the best retention strategies Mm -hmm. because the questions now bring on new life. So what's your type? My type? Mm-hmm. Dark hair. And as audience members, we have expectations and preconceived notions of what it means to be on a date and the questions that you would ask. And like how there's that built-in awkwardness and tension to mm-hmm. see like hopefully the other person likes you. And then lastly, she plays this character, this really dry, almost rude, unimpressed character. So she has these huge names that are used to being treated in a certain type of way, like they are celebrities, but she brings them totally down to earth, puts them in a chicken shop, which is just an everyday place to eat in London, and and is sort of the unexpected element to the interview, the same way that the chicken wings, the spicy wings and hot ones sort of throw off the guests. Like she intentionally is throwing the guests off, and it's exciting to see how they're going to react from question to question. What's your best chat up line? Oh, hi. Is that it? Undefeated. Hi. You know what else is undefeated? Hi, I'm Jack. You're shaking. Am I? (laughs) Yeah. Don't start this shit again. What do you say to people who ask you about the way you dress? No one asks. Hmm. How long does it take you to paint the gray into your beard every day? It's just natural. I don't... (laughs) I don't paint the gray into my beard. Oh, it looks, it doesn't look real. The primary difference between this and Hot Ones is that in Hot Ones, Sean Evans has done so much research on the guest and holds them to such a high standard and asks them these questions that are just like almost respecting their journey so much because he goes so in depth. During a 2007 column that you wrote for Esquire, you wrote about the 6-4-1-5 chord progression being a way to hack or mm-hmm. manufacture a hit. And I'm wondering from a music theory perspective, do you see any similar trends in 2018? Yes, there's a 1-4 to four happening right now. With her, 
she's basically operating in a way that she knows nothing about this guest, right? And she's just unimpressed with them. And it, it keeps you so engaged because you look at Jack Harlow or KSI and you expect them to be a certain way. And in the show, they're completely different. Yeah, but didn't you cry? But no, no, I didn't. I didn't cry. You told me you cried. No, I'm pretty sure I didn't cry. <laughs> I told you I didn't cry. I never cried. You see, now it looks like I did cry. Uh, like You're taking something that's unrelatable in celebrity and making it relatable in saying it's a date at a chicken shop. Like she does not play you or I in that scenario. She plays actually the complete opposite. Someone who's just not interested really in the person at all. You soul food and you eye candy. I want to meet you in Miami and I want you to meet my family. Mm, okay, well, I'll just check my schedule and see if I can. Mm. Let me ask you a question. Who would you want to see on the show? Oh, obviously everyone wants to see Drake. Yeah, I want to see Drake. I mean, she booked Drake, but then the pandemic happened. So it didn't, it didn't work out. Oh my God. It's actually, it's actually Drake. And it said, chicken shop date in Harrods, question mark. I was like, what? what? Oh my God. Drake's just DM me. And they were like, what? And then I was like, guys, everyone move. <laughs> I was like, what do I reply? I was like, oh, what do I reply? And I just replied, let me check my schedule. Did you? (laughs) Let me check my schedule. And then he messaged me saying, oh, I'm really sorry, but I'm not coming to London anymore. Oh, no. I was like, oh, don't worry. That's absolutely fine. Oh, and it was Um, all sorted and planned. Yeah, it was all planned. I think he literally, he told me like two days before. Recently, I think specifically with the Jack Harlow episode, her content and the show started coming across my recommended and my feed on YouTube. And that happens with a lot of big creators where you you start to see a show and you're like, oh, cool. Like this creator just emerged. Mm -hmm. But then as you look into the story and as we specifically looked into Amelia's story, this has a very long road. Like it it was not at all. And this is the classic like, oh, it wasn't an overnight success, but this really wasn't an overnight success. Like this took a lot of hard work to get here. And it's really funny. You just spilled some sauce on your sweater. Eating during the show is hard. She started this show in 2014. She has over 60 episodes now, major high profile guests. When I looked into her story, I think one of the most important things was that eight years ago, she had a North Star goal in mind and she wanted to be the editor of Vogue magazine. That was like how I would introduce myself a lot. Like be like, hi, Amelia, and I'm going to be editor of Vogue. So she goes to fashion journalism school to embark on that journey. So when she was in college, someone recommended that she write for this youth group funded magazine called The Cut and very, very small magazine. But because they knew that she wanted to be the editor of Vogue and that she had these interests, that was her first opportunity to actually bring this chicken shop date series to life. But it was in the form of a written column. Having a North Star enables you to take swings. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing is yeah. that, you know, we heard Casey Neistat speak one time about this, but he talked about the career of being a creator is like being in a jungle and grabbing for a branch mm-hmm. and you grab for a branch and then that swings you sometimes forward, sometimes sideways, sometimes backwards. But the most important part is that you keep grabbing and you keep swinging. I don't even think you reach for a branch unless you have a goal in mind and you're like, I'm trying to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. I know I'm trying to get somewhere. It's over there. So let me reach and grab and start creating and just start making stuff. I mean, for a long time, our biggest goal was to make a documentary. And today, what's funny is there's almost a form of that that's happening. We're covering creators, we're interviewing creators, and we're telling their stories. It's just in a different format than we thought. 
But when you look at Amelia, she had a North Star and wanted to be the editor of Vogue, right? Wanted to like cover celebrities. Mm -hmm. She's doing that, just not in that exact way. She took a bunch of swings and then ended up here, which is probably way cooler than she could have imagined. Oh, yeah. And same with me right now. I'm like, this is so cool. We get better than making one big documentary. Yeah, we get to do this every week. The second part of her journey that I found really interesting was that she identified a problem, and that was that music interviews were boring and that the hosts often catered to these musicians, to these celebrities, and it actually did them a disservice because it didn't humanize them. So that was something that she noticed very early on, and that tone was injected into the Chicken Chop Date written series when she was doing it as a column. I think that's a really important part of developing a format, a show, or a YouTube channel, is actually asking yourself the question, does this solve a problem? Because if, it's, if it truly solves a problem, then people are going to really like it, right? There's going to be a crop of people who wanted that problem solved. Mm-hmm. Like for us specifically, we felt like the stories that we're telling aren't being covered. Yep. Being a creator is one of the most desirable careers. And there's not a lot of coverage on the different roadmaps, not a lot of coverage on her eight-year journey and, and the lessons that you can apply to yourself. So we wanted to solve that problem through interviewing creators and developing a show where we can reflect on what's happening in the creator economy. So when she's writing for The Cut, she comes up with this idea that a date would be a funny framework for an interview. And one of the members of the magazine suggested that this, you know, fictional location for this interview should be at a chicken shop. And so that's where this initial series chicken shop date started as a written column. And she did 10 interviews in written form over three years. So what she was doing there was developing a MVP, which is a minimum viable product. That's a really important term. That happens a lot in tech, right? Where someone just wants to get an app out and they're like, what's the MVP of this, right? Or it happens in startups. This is a startup. Like you're trying to get a show off the ground. What's interesting is it's a format. And what she did with the format was just make what she could at that time, which is written content. You start thinking about creating a new YouTube channel. At the, at the end of the day, you're telling a story and you're developing a format if you don't have the cameras, if you don't have the equipment, if you don't want to be editing video, but you think you could write something, then start writing. And that will hone the format, your craft, build an audience, and then you can convert that. But a lot of times people get stuck and stop because they're like, I want to be over there, but they can't get over there yet. You have to start over here, right? You have to start from what you have at your disposal, whether it's the the phone in your pocket or you know a pen and a pad. I think just start crafting your format. And then finally in 2014, she brought the series to video. And even that looks a lot more raw uh, and less polished than it than the episodes are today. To give everyone a frame of reference, we recorded this podcast as an audio podcast for four years until we turned cameras on it. And if you see the first time we put cameras on it, it also looks a lot more raw. And we weren't doing it on our main YouTube channel. We were just testing. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to convert it over. And so like the MVP was audio for us. The MVP was, hey, let's just record every week and start to figure out this format. And that took us a long time mm-hmm. to bring it to video. I'd done a lot of the column already, um, and I was in character then. I developed my character through the written column. And I always felt like I was performing even when there weren't any cameras there. So I wasn't as nervous as I could have been. Now, the fact that she was doing music interviews differently, yeah. that she wasn't the everyday interview, the fact that she was this sort of between two ferns, but for music, actually helped her book guess. Yeah. In one of the articles I read, it said that music managers often uh, would say to her, like, this is different. We've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. So we want to be on the show. And that's what we call a wedge, where a creator focuses on a small section of the niche to hone their format 
in order to capture eventually the attention of the entire niche. I think that Jeff's Barbershop is another great example of like a, a show that's in the same genre and seeing, you know, a UFC fighter go on that show last mm -hmm. season in Francis Ngannou, like you get it. Like, can he go on fight podcasts? Yeah, and he probably does go on tons of fight podcasts. But when someone says, do you want to go on this haircut show where like crazy shit's going to be happening? Yeah. It's going to put you out of your comfort zone. It's going to show you in a completely different light. What are the layers that you put on top of the format right. that make it different? That's a little more exciting. Mm -hmm. That's more different. That's like, oh, Francis is going to be shown to a new audience in a totally new way. That's exciting. And these shows like Jeff's Barbershop or like Chicken Shop Date, they're unique to the audience, but they're not unique across all of entertainment. She says that like she pulled a lot of inspiration from Between Two Ferns. Have you ever thought about uh, for show business changing your, your name from John Ham to like something like John Sausage? It's just that Between Two Ferns was pretty much for actors. Mm -hmm. And this chicken shop date is for musicians. I think you should don't give up the day job, honestly. People like that song. Like no, that song. I love that song. I just don't think you're playing it very well. Okay. Um, I mean, imagine if she was like, I'm going to create a music interview show. Period. Is she interviewing Jack Harlow at this point or getting DMs from Drake? There's a million There's music interview shows. There's too many music interview shows. So how do you stand out? You have to, you really have to develop like a wedge. And I think that like visual is so important to say mm -hmm. like, okay, in a crowded room, how do I, how do I get in there? In the beginning, it was, it was super niche. It wasn't for like Drake. It was all about a specific music scene in London. It grime was, scene. What is grime? I'm grime. just learning about grime. You don't know grime, man? I don't know grime. Well, that's your problem. Not Someone mine. out there who knows grime, tell me, like, like, comment a grime artist. Grime me up. Who's a grime artist? Yeah, you Dude, don't know grime. Don't ask me You act like grime, you know grime. Man. He doesn't know grime. Don't ask me about grime. Don't grime me, man. Grime yourself. Well, I don't know what that means. I don't means. know what that means. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Dizzy Rascal. Dizzy Rascal? Dizzy Rascal, man. I have man. no idea what you're saying. You don't think I know you grime? Well is that, is Dizzy English. Rascal grime? Can someone confirm or, or deny? Are you speaking English or British English? Dizzy Rascal. What? He's just a rascal. You know what I'm talking about? Look up Dizzy Rascal. Okay, carry on, actually. Don't I've never distracted. heard of Dizzy Rascal. You've never heard of Dizzy Rascal. To be fair. The important thing, though, about grime and the fact that she... Is this grime? What are you doing with your hand? What was that? It's grime dance. What, are you, what was that? What was that? What is this? What are these new moves? Are these grime dance moves? What is that? We gotta cut this. We gotta cut. So what I was saying <laughs> was that the important thing about grime here, okay? Sorry, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut, I collect myself. There was a dance move in there that I didn't know I was gonna do, which was <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, that was insane. <laughs> the important takeaway about grime. Yeah. Whether you know grime or not. I know grime. I don't know grime. It's that it was an underserved community. Mm -hmm. There weren't tons of people interviewing these artists. Right. And that's how she was able to get her foot in the door. So she's able to start with a very niche community and get the reps in over time and build social proof that it's like a, you know, with every guest, it opens the doors to another guest that she can book. And she builds this trust and that's really what a brand is, right? It's, it's like consistency over time builds trust. And that's what she's done over eight years now with over 60 interviews to the point where Drake does want to be on the show. I think it goes back actually to the point of the MVP of like, who can you interview? Yeah. Who yeah. can you interview? Right. And it's like, where do you start? 
you interview someone you know that you have a contact to. And we started by interviewing our friends. Yeah. And, and making like, videos about our friends. Like there's a yeah. video on our channel about Mike. Yeah. Who's just your childhood friend. Yeah. So it's like make a doc, like we wanted to make a documentary. We made a documentary about mm -hmm. one of my high school friends. And that's like, you know, that's where you start is what, what you know. And you always, you say this when we talk to creators a lot, but like, if you don't know who to make content for, make content for people in your neighborhood, like yeah. in your town, think about covering the mo the local coffee shop or making something about New York city. If you're from New York, I mean, that's a big place, but, but making something about like your local town, cause then you have an audience and you can start to build trust and being a creator is all about reps. I mean, it's, it's so many stories that are like, Oh, he just became very successful or she just became very successful, but they were doing it for 10 years before that. Yeah. And you and I have been uploading to YouTube for 10 years. Mr. Beast was uploading for, to YouTube for 10 years. Amelia has been making this for eight years. Like these, this is what you need. You need to start. You need reps. So I think starting with what you have access to is the most important. Mm -hmm. And having that foresight that over time you could very well be in a position like Amelia's in. Yeah. But it could take eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many entrepreneurs, you speak to them, they go, I was doing this for 10 years and then it worked. It's always 10 yeah, it's, years. It's always 10 years. Yeah. Which is overwhelming, but like, yeah. just start. And now what's amazing is that she's built this character and she's able to take it to different formats. Yeah. So on her, the same channel, she has a cooking show where mm -hmm. she's the same type of character. It's just, instead of at a chicken shop, they're in the act of cooking. That's that added retention layer yeah. to it. Can you, you, can you hang up with it, please? Sorry. And she's also on another channel interviewing soccer players or yeah. footballers. Defining that voice, that brand, that tone, that craft, like it just takes so much time. But now we're seeing she can be like extracted from her own show and placed in many different places and having that same effect. She's just been building trust for the last eight years. Yeah. You don't like to cook. Yeah. Do you have someone cooking for you or do you order takeaway? Um, takeaway is a good friend of mine. So on this concept of her like not reinventing the wheel, like basically engineering a format in this like Frankenstein way of saying, ooh, I like Zach Galifianakis between two ferns. Ooh, I like uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. Oh, I like uh, hot ones. Like you, you pull these things together and you make this thing that's yours. And what's really interesting is I think as a creative, you have a lot of fear around like stealing or copying mm. someone's format, yeah. right? And there's a great book called Steal Like an Artist that I think everyone should read who, who wants to create anything because the reality is that's just the that's just what it is. We're all inspired by something and we, we pick it apart and we take it and we make it our own. Like we made food videos early on that essentially followed the exact same trajectory as Worth It, mm -hmm. a BuzzFeed show. And that format was really good. And we just picked that format and kind of engineered our own version of it in mm -hmm. LA and, and tried to make a food show. And I think if we kept on that path, we would have found something that was unique to us. This show does remind me so much of Between Two Ferns. There's a scene with Jack Harlow where she just looks at him and she's like, do you read? Can you read? Do you what the hell is this? And it's just such a funny scene, like his reaction to it. And it reminds me so much of a scene with John Hamm and Zach Galifianakis. It says uh, about people in the early 60s. That just says, do you like websites? Do you like websites? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that you like websites. Yeah, the cadence is super similar in that the, instance. The yeah. cadence is really similar. So you can see she actually was really inspired by this. Like that is, and that works. Like that comedy works. I just love how true to her brand is that even at this point, she's built the social proof. She's built the trust. Drake wants to be on the show. He DMs her yeah. chicken shop date at Harrods. And she says, I'll check my schedule. Yeah. Like even in a text back to Drake, 
you're still getting the experience of being on the show with her. That's She's great. in her character, which is yeah. so cool. Full commit. Yeah, to full the brand. commitment. Full commit to the brand and to the character. Not like, oh my gosh, so exciting, Drake. Yeah. So Amelia, we'd love to be on the show. I don't think we would be on the show. Oh. We're okay. not musicians. Not yet. That's true. Also speak for yourself. She could, we would love to have her on our show. I would love to have Amelia on our show. She also has such good merch. Mm. It's, it's clothing and accessories and things that just look really cool. It's great graphic design, but then she also sells a postcard that invites someone to go on a date. Like you can invite, oh, you so send good. them this postcard, you give it to them. That's and so it's asking them if they want to go on a date at a chicken shop. You know, the one thing that we didn't cover that I really like about the show is how short it is. It's just the best stuff. It's not uh, everything. It's so important because that keeps retention really high. And you have Jack Harlow sitting and you have him for an hour you're going to, you think in your head, you want to interview this guy for as long as possible and you want to put out as much as possible, but they're just cutting the best moments from the show. Yeah. And that's a really important thing. That's like, we're only going to put in what was funny. Whereas you, you feel as a filmmaker, as a creator, you're like, I, I, I want to show it all, but there's so much power in brevity mm -hmm. and there's so much power in leaving so much out. Mm -hmm. So I think like lessons for us that I would like to explore moving forward is how can we start in the middle of a conversation? Because the reality is a YouTube title and thumbnail is the beginning of an episode. And then how can we explore extracting moments and having it just be, here's the best, the greatest hits, the greatest hits of this conversation. Maybe that's not what our show is, but it's a really interesting thing to look at is how short she keeps everything. Mm -hmm. It leaves you wanting more. You could do that for our interviews with creators. Yeah. I think the challenge there is that comedy is much harder. And so like the best bits are actually going to be less than yeah. nuggets of education or information. Yeah. Right. Like the best comedy is going to be really hard to get to. So short is in her favor. Right.